to page 60, no, 62, right? Am I right? <laughs> okay, I think we're just about to read the last uh, paragraph on page 62. By the merit of listening to the Dharma, may I achieve Buddhahood for the sake of all beings. As a Mahayana practitioner, or as a, somebody who aspires in the Mahayana path, um, you do to every practitioner who seeks any kind of spiritual reward has to do mainly two kinds of jobs. You have to purify and you have to gain merit, accumulate merit. And that's why at the end, when we say, uh, by the power of the merit, may such and such happen. 
So how basically the, the what you are learning as far as Dharma is concerned is what are the methods of purification and what are the methods of uh, gaining wisdom and uh, gaining uh, merit. Okay. Um, and one of the ways of gaining merit is to listen to Dharma. Okay. Just just listening. Uh, with an open mind, listening with uh, with the intention to achieve Buddhahood for the sake of all being, that itself is accumulating merit. And the purification has to do with uh, all those things that we accumulated, all those things that that are obstructing us. When you aspire to do something, and you find yourself not doing it or not having done it then you are obstructed. Then you have, that means, that's a sign for you. You have things to purify. And also, uh, the merit here of listening to Dharma is, uh, the merit is not only in the sense of accumulating positive, you can consider merit the the positive things that you need to build up, like your bank account, the, the, what's the thing on the bank account? Balance. No, the thing that the bank is supposed to give you. Interest. interest. Okay. So it's like it's like accumulating interest. Okay. Uh, but not only not only is it in that sense, but the also listening to Dharma is also purification. Okay. So as you listen to Dharma, uh, or as you listen to something that is that you're told, oh this is what you're about to listen to is Dharma. So you listen to it with uh, with as as much uh, uh, intensity as you can. Okay. <laughs> she wants tea. Or something. <laughs> 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 okay. So we talked a lot about what I ask you. What does it mean to give up on this life? We talked a lot about that. Not enough, actually, but we talked a lot about it. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it again, some more. <laughs> All right, so let's begin with, uh, this is what the precious preceptor, Don Turnba, had in mind when he said to a certain monk, it makes my heart glad, uncle, to see you walking around this holy place to pay your respects how much gladder would it would I be if you did something spiritual? I think we talked about this a little bit. Don't turn by had in mind when he said to a certain monk, uh, uncle, the monk was not his real uncle, okay? <laughs> it was just a term of, of uh, respect to call him uncle. So it makes me glad to see that you're, it seems like you're doing something spiritual, but I read your mind and there's nothing spiritual happening there. So he said, it would, be, it would make me much uh, happier if you were actually doing something spiritual. I mean, he was walking around probably doing circumambulation, and that's supposed to be a big thing. Okay. Just looking like you're doing something spiritual doesn't mean you're, doing, you're, you're being spiritual. And he went on to say the same thing about making prostrations, which is uh, very popular, especially w- with those who are connected with Tibetan uh, traditions. Reciting prayers, oh my God, reciting prayers is not spiritual. Meditating is not spiritual. 
What else is virtual then? And well, everything else is set. <laughs> okay. So if you're doing any of these things and your mind is, you haven't given up on this life yet. That is, you're still, ex you still have some, you still are um, investing hope that you, you will get some sense of true satisfaction in this world. And you might be meditating so that your this world you might finally get that satisfaction in this world. You might be doing prayers so that you might get a you know get a better job, get a better this, get a better that. Just just for the sake of doing it, okay. You might be making prostrations just to improve your your present condition without thinking forward, without thinking ahead. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to improve your present condition, but if you are seeking to improve it just for the sake of improving it now without thinking ahead then it's not spiritual if you're not thinking beyond this life you're not being spiritual if you're not doing things for the purpose of to, for, for, for some result beyond this life you're not being spiritual okay? of course you want results here that will help you with your future life or with your future existence but you're not doing it just, just you, don't, you don't stop just here okay? so the, all these wonderful things that we know are to be spiritual, making prostrations. You know, some people, uh, I heard there was this, there's this big Buddha statue, like uh, in, in Hong Kong, uh, probably the biggest statue, Buddha statue in the world, I think, I'm not sure. It's huge. Uh, and there's a few shops around it, there's a shop inside, <laughs> where you can buy you know, little Buddhas. <laughs> And then, you know, the stairs, you just keep climbing, keep climbing, just like the, you know, sounds familiar. You keep climbing until you, and then you come out the top. And at the very top, there's this beautiful relic of the, the Buddha. Okay. And I think it's authentic. Uh, so, there are some people, because of the, it's a statue of the Buddha, and there's a relic of the Buddha in there. People come from different places in the world, uh, uh, in the world to go see that statue. And I heard there were once, one, one year, there was this uh, couple who came, and it's on an island. So they, they take the ferry or they take the whatever that takes them to the island. And as soon as they step foot on the island, they start prostrating until they get to, uh, to the feet of the Buddha. And it's not like, you know, they get on the island, it's like outside on the, on the road over there, and then the statue is here. It's like, uh, I mean, you have to drive. Once you get to get to get to where the, where the statue is, they prostrated from there all the way. Now, if in their minds all they were thinking about is, uh, or may my may my child have a, you know, my child have a, you know, get a good wife or a good husband or things like that, that's all that was in their mind. Then all that effort had no spiritual worth to it. And, we, and of course, reciting prayers and meditating, these things are not spiritual until you've given up on this life. It doesn't mean until you think about committing suicide. It, think, it means you've wised up to the world and you know the world cannot give you true satisfaction. So finally, the monk couldn't decide at all what was supposed to be spiritual practice. And he asked Drum Tunba, well then, how am I supposed to practice? And the only answer he was given was give up on this life. 
repeated three times and loud. Should I try that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to surprise you. <laughs> then there was a seer, Geshe, by the seer Geshe. That means a trans translation of a. a Kadam, Kadampa. Okay. Uh, there was a seer geshe by the name of Shang Nan Chung Tumba, who once said, I go to the Tisha and ask him for teachings. For all these, for, but all he says to me is some like, some little sentence like, give up on this life, practice love, practice compassion, or practice a wish to achieve enlightenment for all living beings. Lord Dundremba overheard this complaint and remarked that it's amazing. He's just been granted the absolute essence of all Lord Atisha's instruction. Yet even someone so great as Sheng doesn't comprehend what it is to have a teaching. And later on in this life, Sheng would also say to his student that if you want to practice the spiritual life, the most important thing you can do is give up on this life. So in a broad sense, we can start with what are known as the eight worldly thoughts. Then, can be shortened into three concerns of this life. Food, clothes, and a big name. These three are what you give up on. What do you give up on? And... You, we want to give up suffering, but how do you give up suffering? Give up on this life. <laughs> it's not desire for it anymore. Yeah. Desire for suffering anymore? Yeah. Nobody desires suffering. Yes, we do. Because <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't, they wouldn't do it over and over again. No, we, we desire something that gives us suffering. So you know that we the world can't do that. Yeah. We have to stop desiring what gives us suffering. <laughs> I knew the answer. I'm just waiting. <laughs> okay, so now these uh, these three food, clothing, and big name. We're not supposed to want food. We're not supposed to eat. We're not supposed to wear clothes. We're supposed to go around, you know, whatever you get on your back. Don't clean it. <laughs> Don't wash it. You're not supposed to want people to, uh, well, how do I make the, that one? Take your nice guy. Big name. So we're not, supposed to do, we're not supposed to want these things. These three are what you have to give up on. Food, clothes, and big name. Now what does it mean? You have to give up on food and give up on clothing and give up on big name if you want to be spiritual. Attachment to it. Attachment to it. Well, what does it mean to be attached to food? Oh, when you when you buy that uh, those clothes, it, 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 <laughs> not lasting. 
that last thing. So there's there's a you're hinting at something there. It's not lasting. When when you go after these things, food, clothing, and big name, the reason you go after them somewhere within our consciousness, we believe that it's going to make us happy. It's going to make us content. And we don't think that this contentment will only last for a certain uh, period of time, even though food has a certain expiration date. We know that you know, uh, this fashion will last only for this season. Even though we know that, but we don't engage it thinking that, oh, this will only last for this, for this amount of time. I'll, I'll, I'll take it anyway. So what it boils down to is we're not convinced that there is something beyond this kind of contentment. And when you, until, until you reach conviction that there is a true contentment and it's reachable and it's uh, something that is beyond what food can give you, what clothing can give you, what big name can give you, then you will, or will, you will find yourself constantly going after food, constantly going after clothing, constantly going after big name. Because we are beings. We need to be content. It's a need. It's not like, it's, it's not something you decide, oh, maybe I should be content today or not. You're not gonna, you're never gonna reach a state in life where you stop wanting to be content. So the thing is, are you going to go do something so you can really be content? Or are you going to continue to disappoint yourself? And Pavon Karimboche has a big thing with big name. The worst of the three, by the way, is big name. Sages, holy men, great meditators of the past, even we can say a majority of them have been able to live without great food, keeping themselves alive, on one of those magical practices where all you eat is some tiny pill or the essence of a flower. And they've been able to live without great clothes too. They sit in deep retreat wearing tattered robes covered with dirt. They glue their backs to the wall of a cave and seal the only entrance. But in the bottom of their hearts, they still crave fame, the big name. And they dream that all the local people outside are talking about what a holy master meditator they are. talking about big fame, big name in the terms of we, we, we aspire to, uh, to become a movie star, we aspire to become somebody who uh, everybody knows and knows and likes. And what he's talking about is as long as you have some sense that, uh, not some sense, but you make it a, a purpose for your actions that somewhere in, somewhere in the back of your mind you're hoping that some 
others recognize what you're doing. That's seeking big name. Yeah. As long as you are practicing and you're hoping that others know I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm uh, like if, if you're trying to help someone and you, you have someone in the back of your mind, one of the reasons for doing it is that that person appreciates what I'm doing. That's seeking big name. Oh. <laughs> not glue themselves with, with uh, some sort of glue. Like, no, they, they stay in the cave. They adhere themselves yeah, yeah. physically, but, and then they would, like, block you on the entrance. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, because <laughs> they... Give them some water. Well, I'm thinking about, you know, it's Easter, and I'm thinking of that whole thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, you can do it. I don't want to do it. I just no, no.
Oh, no, the purpose of that is not to point to people and say, oh, that person has big name. It's to be aware in our own mind that if you are that person who's teaching a thousand people, if, you're, if the purpose for you to teach them is to get, to get that good feeling that you get when people say, oh, I love you, I love you, from a thousand people, if that becomes your purpose, then you're no longer a future practitioner. Of course, among the thousand people that you're teaching to, they might get the Dharma and then evolve and you know, get, out of the, get out of this wheel. But you will not get out of this wheel. You will be still be stuck there, stuck here. So, so does this basically define and establish proper motivation? Is that the purpose of the, that whole line? It's, it's the way you phrase it, defines. Make well, it, 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 it touches upon it, yeah. But it establishes proper yeah. motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So motivation is always plays a key. That's why before you begin anything, you have to, what am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. Because the motivation is not necessarily something that you uh, consciously uh, bring up. That makes you do something. It could be just habit. The motivation could be just habit. And you have to be aware of it so that you're not taken away by habit that's only been keeping you here. Big, big, big name? <laughs> Motivation. Go back to your motivation all the time. This is the reason why I'm. This is the real. This is the real reason why I'm studying this. I'm doing this. I'm studying this. This is the reason why I'm teaching. Go back to that. And keep re- and keep making it fresh in your mind, so that the habit, the other habit, will lose, um, will lose strength, will lose momentum. That's the the way. There have been many, many sages and scholars and monks who were pure in their moral lives but misled in this way. As the great Dore Gombo has said, they go into seclusion for Sasainam Jor, see no soul. These master contemplators who will hope in this life, they call me the great meditator. As well as and so, they fill their minds with hopes and plans, thoughts that come in everything they do. And so, their spiritual practice goes to waste, spirited away by bandits, locals. Take a spear then, strike it into every thought that comes for this life. You just have to do it. And remember, should a single spear not hit the mark, being a sage, saint, scholar, meditator, cannot close the door of the three lower realms. So you understand the instruction that's given here? When any of these thoughts, uh, the eight worldly thoughts that we're just about to get to them, when, the eight worldly, when you're about to do something and the motivation that seems to be driving your action is what is fit into the eight worldly thoughts or the three concerns, then you have to stop it. And you have to, the way to stop it is to either willfully make your mind stop thinking that way or just bring about, bring to, consciously bring to mind your, your a more uh, noble motivation. And, and, it, and it will be in the beginning 
it will feel very artificial. That doesn't matter. Okay. It's better to have an artificial sense of uh, good motivation mm -hmm. than uh, being, being swept away by a, a, you know, a motivation that only keeps this wheel continued. The great Ngarikpa too has said, all the spiritual practice you've done has turned into some ambition for eminence in this life. Uh, here's a reason why this uh, uh, may take over somebody. Your teacher, you're, you become famous, you're teaching a thousand people, and you directly get some good sensation from seeing yourself being adored by a thousand people. Right? And as far as your spiritual practice is concerned, you may not see it, you may not directly see the results that you're really looking for. Okay. So it's, it becomes like a, a, a you, you substitute. You make a substitute. When I go and teach a thousand people, I directly experience a good feeling, a sen some sense of what I think is satisfaction. And when I'm practicing, when I sit at home and I'm doing my meditation, I don't really get that same, this, that same great sense of satisfaction. So the mind being what it is, what it sees, oh, there's more uh, contentment over there. So the mind naturally say, okay, that's what I, that's what I should be going for. Okay, and how do how do I get that kind of sensation? I have to pretend, well, not pretend, but I have to look like I'm being spiritual. Well, it, uh, 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 I sort of look like I have this, like, if, if I'm not content, mm -hmm. like, I have to pretend to get to be there. Yeah, in some to sense. not go the opposite. Yeah, yeah. So, pretend. Yeah. But n not a, a pretense in the sense of you're consciously, deliberately pretending, telling people I've reached great, great heights, but but you are sort of giving the air, so people because that's what people seem. That's what people seem. That's what people are attracted to you. You're attracted to you because they believe that you reach some incredible height that you may not have reached. And because you're feeding off of people adoring you because of that, so you you what you you keep doing whatever it is that you that you were doing before that made them think that. Because it is through that channel you get that satisfaction, look, they are adoring me. I like this sensation. Yeah. I said, I said that, that's where you will fall. This doesn't have to be even known to yourself, does it? You don't, the person or the teacher doesn't have to be aware of it? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, this this will, by being aware of it, you mean like they're consciously, consciously deliberately. Consciously doing it. No, no, this is not something that you do deliberately. It's something that just, sometime later, say, oh, what happened to me here? What has become my motivation? What, why, why do I continue to do this? I mean, if you go around, you know, uh, especially with momentum, keep building up. You go around, you're going around the world, and people keep showing you. Oh, we love you, we love you, we love you, you know, they adore you, they adore you. 
and then you, it's, it's a good feeling to experience. And you can help it. And you want some more of that. And how are you getting the, how you, what is it that you're doing that's bringing this good feeling to you? Your teaching. So the purpose of the acquiring teaching and teaching it is to get that. That becomes a purpose. It's no longer you acquire teaching, you, you do the teaching so you can transform yourself into enlightened being anymore. You might say it, but deeply what your real motivation is, is big name. And these things about clothing, shelter, and so on and so forth, the necessities of life, uh, uh, and big name especially, it, it's, these are not necessarily no, I'm a, you're about to you open a, a Dharma text you're about to do a, a prayer a practice or something and then you could deliberately say I'm going to do this so I can get a big name we wish it was that easy if it was that easy to get rid of why do you think these, you think these meditators go around telling people you know, asking people how am I doing you think they, they deliberately sit down and the first thought that comes into their mind Oh, people are going to think, think people are going to think I'm great. No, they say, for the sake of all sentient beings, I'm going to reach enlightenment. That's what they say. But deep in, that's why they say deep in their heart. That's why, what, what that word is now? So that's why I'm At the bottom of their hearts. That's what I'm saying. I think the, the Oh yeah, yeah. As far as the world is concerned, he's a good man. That's how the people but I don't love think, him. Do you really think he's thinking about the
saying. Uh, you have to you have to understand it. It's not so much to the the, uh, the reason for pointing out people. It's not so much that oh that person is somebody. To, he's an object to criticize. He's someone to criticize. That person is not really spiritual. It's telling us be careful. Even someone that what what if uh, some uh, there's some teacher that you know of that was famous and that you are you know that you admire respect you, you've got a lot from that teacher and then you later on you learn you learn later on that this teacher has this problem or maybe the teacher comes to you and and, and admits it uh, they have this problem so it, it tells you that it's not only what appears on the outside that's important uh, and and the and for for the for you who are, practi who are practicing, you have to be very careful. And and it's not uh, very careful in the sense of if you don't watch out for it from the very beginning. If you if you don't if you don't set set up your motivation from the very beginning, you you can become a victim of this later on, and not, and until it's, you know until it's completely taken over you. So it's not so much for looking at others and pointing fingers, but for us to be careful. And even so, when you're doing your prostration in the morning, when you're making offering bowls and things like that, then you make sure that you're doing it because of the purpose of reaching enlightenment. It's not so that, oh, somebody might pass by the window and see <laughs> I'm a spiritual person and they see me prostrating, things like that. <laughs> because it might sneak in without, without you knowing. And it sneaks in a little bit, you don't do anything about it. I say, oh, I'm welcome in this mind, and then it, keep, and it keeps coming, keeps coming until the reason for you to do it becomes that's the reason. Even though on the surface you might be saying, for the sake of all sentient beings. So this this great meditator who's in, in the in the cave, in before they begin, I'm sure they do the for the sake of all sentient beings. I'm gonna reach enlightenment, but somewhere deeper, at a deeper level, something that they haven't, you, may have not, you may not have addressed, I hope people recognize me for what I'm doing. Yeah. So all the spiritual practice you've done has turned into some ambition for eminence in this life. This then turns into what we call the origin. Oh, this is where I, I made a point of uh, your own personal spiritual practice, you may see that you, you reach a point where you're not making any more progress. So your own personal spiritual practice doesn't give you as much satisfaction as you used to. But you have something that actually gives you a sense of satisfaction. Okay? And that's where, the, that's where you have to be careful where the switch might happen. Okay? And you will continue to do what it appears to be spiritual practice but the purpose of it becomes something else now. Yeah. A cause for more of the cycle. It increases in, your, in you your feelings of pride and jealousy, dislike for some things and money <coughs> for others. Then what you thought was spiritual practice actually takes you to the three lower realms. Is it possible? What you thought was spiritual practice actually takes you to the three lower realms? So this guy was teaching a thousand people thousand people a week or a thousand people every no it has to be a week because you have to have time 
time off. A thousand people a week. And then that person ends up being in the low, uh, having a uh, lower realm rebirth. He says it's no different than if you if you gone there by doing bad deeds. Therefore, if you want to do any spiritual practice, we must quell the eight worldly thoughts. We must stand neutral. Free of both members of each of its pair of its four pairs, eight worldly thoughts is a name to give. Is a name we give to the following eight emotions. Now these are gonna. Uh, I don't know. You, I'm sure you've read these already, but I want you to really think about them. Being happy when we acquire something. These are things that we should stay away from. Being happy when we acquire something being unhappy when we don't being happy when we feel good being unhappy when we don't being happy when we become well known being unhappy when we don't being happy when someone speaks well of us and being unhappy when someone speaks ill of us when you acquire some some something <laughs> You, you don't drum up a good feeling, it just comes up. You're, you're trying to do something and you, find, you see yourself succeeding in, having, uh, in, accomplishing, uh, in accomplishing it. You feel good. So what does it mean to be happy when you acquire something? And why, why is that wrong? You want, you want the thing again? Benefit those people. 
Please be happy. If it's a joyful effort, if it's a joyful effort done with the right motivation, What's the you, motivation? Should always, you should always be happy. But just not, I'm saying, just not stupidly and not driven. Um, not driven by, not driven by the outcome. Like not driven by, not driven by your purpose or your wish. <laughs> I'm about to get old. <laughs> I'm about to get knocked out. 
So you shouldn't practice. Because you have the happiness just at the motivation. You, you have motivation to practice it, and there's the happiness, so it doesn't need to do anything else. supposed to avoid being happy when we acquire something, avoid being unhappy when we don't, avoid being happy when we feel good, 
when you feel good, don't be happy? What does that mean? When you're feeling good, aren't you happy? You know what feeling good is? <laughs> but you're not supposed to be happy when you feel good? Unless they're talking about physical comfort or something. Yeah. This is probably saying with renunciation, does it not? No, all, all this is renunciation. Yeah. We are, this is... This is this is renunciation we are studying. So, so in the beginning, as far as acquiring mm. objects, getting happiness out of it, mm. getting unhappiness when we don't, those objects are really they don't really exist in their true form. We we make them we make that object something that's really not. So in the process, why would we want to take stock in, in that object and and be positive about it or negative? Well, let me, uh, is being happy, being unhappy when we acquire something, being and unhappy when we don't, being happy when we feel good and unhappy when we don't, being happy when we become well-known and unhappy when we don't, being happy when someone speaks well of us and unhappy when someone speaks ill of us. Is this something that's supposed to exist in this book? When you come out, when you walk out of here, how how are you going to apply this in your own life? By viewing all those items as impermanent and subject to change. So that's what you're going to do. As soon as you walk out of here, well, you're going to start thinking about I, how I, things I are impermanent. I try to remind myself of that, absolutely. Mm. Does it work? Not all the time, no. There's, that's why I'm here, is to, to um, enhance the motivation
Especially, uh, I mean, this is something you're supposed to, an attitude you're supposed to have with you in the world, so that what you do doesn't fall into just another worldly thing that continues the wheel of life, right? You want what you do to be meaningful, to be something that eventually takes you out of, uh, out of, out of samsara. And we've we already been told that uh, it's not necessarily the physical thing that you do, you, somebody could be prostrating, somebody could be even meditating, and yet it could be a worldly act. Okay. So, here's the uh, somewhat summation. <laughs> okay. So when it's saying here being unhappy, being happy and being unhappy, uh, it's more in the sense of uh, in, in, in Buddhism, there's a happiness that is comes. There's something that is trying to say that as being happy, which is really a, a kind of a disturbance in the mind. Uh, it's not happiness; it's a disturbance. In Buddhism, there's a term that is used about a disturbance in the mind, but it's it's connected with happiness. Okay, so it's the mind is actually disturbed 
but we we associate it with a happiness. Okay. But we cannot because we cannot make the distinction between I'm just disturbed and 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 uh, being really happy. So we cannot make the, dis the, the distinction. So we we just latch on to happy. I'm being happy. There's nothing wrong. I mean, the, 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 only, the, the whole purpose of reading this book is to be happy, and this thing is telling us, don't be happy when you get something, and be, don't be unhappy when you don't get something. When you say disturbed, are you uh, kind of referring to agitated mind, where, where we're like a yo-yo, or we're one minute we're down, and then next we have an experience that's very uplifting, that we view as uplifting, that we're way on the top, and then we say that's happy, but in reality it's an agitated state of mind? Yeah. Or like you said, a disturbed state. Uh huh. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's really is uh, what we already have a term for it. Uh, being happy here is really being uh, what's that word we use? It's a slang. Uh, hyped up. Hyped. Hyped. Hyped up. No. Hyped up? No. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of yeah. being hyped up, being, I mean, I don't know, excited. 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 Psyched. Stoked. Stoked? That's what? That's it. Psyched. Psyched? Elegant. No. Elegant? Did you say elegant? Yeah. Oh, did you say pelican? No. when we acquire something, being, that word, no, hella what? Hella good? I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> no, being, being hyped up. It's a sense of, I really got something good. Okay. And when you do that, you're just setting yourself up for the opposite. If you allow getting and not getting to determine when you're happy, when you're not happy, then you're gonna be thrown. You're gonna be thrown around in life like a yo-yo. You're gonna be on a leash. Some side is gonna have you tighten the leash. So you always have to be happy. You have to be equanimous about it. And what will help you is to understand the nature. So have some idea in your mind about the nature of things. This thing that's making me happy, it's not like, oh, there's happiness, let me get rid of it. If you're happy about because you acquire something, don't get stoked, hyped up, hell about. No. <laughs> okay? Don't, don't set yourself up with that experience just to, to just for a crash. 
because that thing is impermanent. It's not. It's not going to last. Okay, that thing's nature is not something that supposed to really give you happiness. The happiness is not really coming from the thing. Okay, so go through life with a getting, not getting, feeling good, not feeling good, being known, not well known, being well spoken of, or being not well spoken of. Go through it with not I don't care kind of state of mind. Well, is that what Jamin Kensi said? Which one? Uh, In the uh, What Makes You Not a Buddhist? Don't give a damn. Don't give a damn. We have to practice so we can reach the state called Don't Give a Damn. We do or we don't? No, we should, give, we should arrive at a state where we practice I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn if I'm happy. I don't give a damn if I'm not happy. You maintain your own happiness from your own center and you don't allow things outside to determine whether or now you can be happy or now you cannot be happy but you you engage everything with a with a a mind equally happy okay so like equanimity is that you are ah I can't, I can't think of that word complacent no 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 something about happiness uh, uh, I'm hyped up for some reason I'm thinking of that unsad unsad <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that word before. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you get overly excited, overly excited when things happen, when when good things happen or when bad things happen. Okay, get overly excited. Okay. You get so totally caught up in it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you, you reaffirm, you reaffirm that it really, really exists. Okay. You get caught up in it. Okay. Isn't get, that a sign of uh, like, like uh, somebody who has uh, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder where, you know, something good happens, all of a sudden they cling on to it and it's like, wow. And then, and then the reverse where it's like, so, it, something negative happens and they, they just attach so much importance. You're talking about everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> saying, <laughs> Who's I'm that saying, special person you're talking about? No, no, I'm, not, I'm <laughs> saying just in general. Oh, okay. If you're, yeah. if you're saying have this 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 even happiness, um, in other words, don't don't take an experience and make it so over the top or so Yeah, that's the thing, over the top. Yeah. Right. Don't make it over the top. Okay. But like in Judy's example, for instance, if it brought her a, a moment of happiness mm -hmm. to buy something and it was on sale, mm -hmm. it, you know, if she buys that object, and, and I find myself in this situation where if I get something, like I, I'm in, I like electronics, but I, I dislike electronics because 
no matter what I, I, I get, I see that inherently it's subject to breaking anyhow. Uh -huh. So when I buy it, I always buy it knowing that it's, it's not a permanent object and I might enjoy certain features of it. Like on a computer, for mm -hmm. example, computers do so many neat things, but yet they're still subject to problems. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's technology. And, and, um, so getting back to Judy's uh, purchase experience, if, if it brought her a moment of happiness, there's really no reason for her not to enjoy that moment, mm -hmm. but with the realization that whatever it is she bought, that it's not a permanent item. It's not going to give her true happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. W would you agree with that? Or I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. I was messing with mine. If, if, 
the aim, if that result becomes, this is why I'm doing it, for the result I'm going to see now, then if the result is not something that you want, of course it's natural for you to either get overly excited about it, if you see it, or if you don't see it, then you become depressed. And the, 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 and the, and the reason why it's a danger is what's gonna, what it's going to do to you in the future. If I'm, already ex if I'm already excited, it's the sense of, I've reached the goal, I don't need to practice anymore. If you become uh, overly uh, depressed, then you say, ah, there, I, I will never get a result from my, from my efforts. There's no need to practice anymore. That's, that's where the danger is. It's not that you shouldn't be happy. Okay? It's not that you shouldn't be sad when bad things happen. The, 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 the term is being overly taken by it, where it, where it, where it drives how you're going to behave in the future. So when you get something, you got that nice cell, it's okay to be happy about it. But don't get overly excited. Okay. So if, if, uh, because if you're overly excited, you get caught up in that moment, and then, I don't know, some kid comes in and, I don't know, lights, oh, that's a pretty f fabric, to, uh, you would like to see it uh, on fire, and then lights it up. Then, then that moment, then you say, "This is my source of my happiness." That's what you. That's what's happening. That's what you're holding onto when you're being overly excited. And if it's, that's the case, and you see your source of your happiness in flames, what's going to happen? You're going to become depressed. You're going to crash. Okay. But if you just have this equal mind, I'm happy. I got it. I'm happy. I don't get it. I'm happy it burned. I'm happy it's still there. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, it seems to me. Okay. That to you. <laughs> this book is helping us how to use our our energy that we've been given. Then, once we know how to use it, we can actually look at things in the right way. Yeah. Because right, right now, I see as though nobody knows how to use it, their energy. Yeah. Put it in places where it doesn't need to be put. Mm -hmm. You know? You take it away from those places and make it calm, then we can control it to put it on the goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what uh, this beautiful samsara came from. Because we don't know how to sense of the eight worldly thoughts. Okay. Acquire something, lose something, feel good, not feel good, become well known, not 
being being unknown, being uh, he speak well of being uh, praised and or being criticized. If you get overly emotional about these states, then you're in danger. Okay, don't become overly ex emotional about them. of your mind is in that direction, then at the very moment you think of it going away, then it will go away. But it's because only certain parts of our, uh, of our consciousness is holding on to that. That's why you have to do the, the, the prostration. 
Are you confused? Well, because if you don't really know what that obscuration is, and you do the, you know whatever the purification and mm -hmm. you mentioned, there's a number of them that you can do. So you're so filling yourself. A lot of these are very busy. You know, there are a lot of visualizations and prostrations and things going on. So you're filling your mind, and even if you don't know what this block or, or obscuration is, you hope well. You hope that it will take care of it, mm -hmm. even though you've not really come to any conscious awareness of mm -hmm. what it was. Mm -hmm. Now, the the reason I didn't go directly into because you believe it will do something then that itself will do something. Because you can believe in something that is completely wrong. And, and, and that belief is very strong and clear in you. If I kill a hundred people, I'll reach enlightenment. That's, it doesn't matter how beautiful, clear that is in your mind, that's a wrong thing to believe. It will not get you to enlightenment. But, uh, but in connection with what you're saying, if you have some understanding of the nature of that obscuration that is impermanent and that conviction is deeply seated, deep, then just with that conviction or just with that conviction and then saying uh, and wishing it to go away, it will go away at that moment. But it doesn't go away at that moment because you're not completely thoroughly convinced there are unconscious aspects of our mind that's still holding on to it. And how do we deal with those unconscious aspects? You have to do prostrations. You have to recite those million mantras. It's like uh, uh, the transaction kind of thing. There's a part of us that believes there must be a transaction. Unless a transaction happens, we're not, there's not gonna be some sort of result. So what's the transaction? I do a million ma uh, mantras, when I reach, 999,999. <laughs> then you say, oh, okay, it's about to happen. And you do the last one, one million. They say, okay, now the transaction has taken place. Okay, now, I, now I, uh, that part of your mind that was holding onto it has now has the conviction. Now it lets go. But if you were able to have, if all of you, all of your mind had that similar level of conviction, as soon as you heard empty, everything is empty, you would reach enlightenment. That's why you, can't re you don't reach enlightenment at the first time you see emptiness directly. Because all those other levels of mind that are not yet convinced. So in other words, purification is also a process, just like all of it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. And maybe, you know, that it's part of the process to enlighten. Yeah. 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 Um, you have to do purification and collect merit. And the reason for doing that, both, is because of that, the level of conviction exists at unconscious levels, and we have to dig in and remove them. And we have to do elaborate things, we have to, you know, to, get, to get to them. Was that a yoga posture? Okay. <laughs> and then it goes back, I mean, we're on this particular path. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. And we have faith that we're on the right path, mm -hmm. and we just take the steps. Mm -hmm. You know, that this is a good thing. This I'm not get saying what I want to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
You all got the eight worry thoughts? Huh? Okay. Alright, now we can end this class. We do just the English, I guess. We already recited it in the Tibetan in the beginning, so we can just do it in the in English. Here is a ground anointed with incense and flowers strewn, with its mountain mirror adorned by four continents, the sun and moon. Visualized as a Buddha field, I offer it to the merit field. May all beings partake of a supremely pure Buddha Itam Guru Ratnamantavakam Niryatariya. And this is now storing it in the bank. Let's hurry up. It's depreciating. Gewa di Gewa Kuram Sanan Yeshe Tsodoshin. Sanan Yeshe the translation by this virtue may all beings perfect the accumulations of merit and wisdom and achieve the two holy bodies that arise from merit and wisdom okay I got 15 minutes. Yeah. How's that? Okay. <laughs>